appreciate all the mothers in the house. Still in the spirit of celebration of Mother's Day, I'm bringing us a very short message this morning just to cap everything up. And it's also in pressing ahead with uh, the series that we've been teaching on Set Apart. The thought around this message is about how, as we celebrate mothers today, how our mothers are always so glad when we turn out well when we get better. The greatest pain of any mother is a child that is not meeting the growth milestones. Am I saying the truth? One of the greatest pain of any mother is a child that is not meeting the growth milestones. I've had uh, 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 the, the, the privilege of praying over uh, children who we say the, the uh, special needs children. Yeah, uh, 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 and I see how mothers feel when they see that. And I see how joyful they are when they see those improvements. A few weeks ago, one of our leaders here, she approached me maybe like two years ago and said, Pastor, I needed to pray. I needed to pray. My sister, she lives abroad. She mentioned the name of the child uh, I, I, I can't remember the age, but at the time, the, 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 the young lady had passed the age uh, where we should be thinking whether she would be able to speak or not. She wasn't speaking. And I remember here, holding hands with her, praying for her. I, I have uh, a minister friend also in the country where uh, the lady lived, and I, I, I said, I'm going to connect her with this uh, pastor friend of mine so that she can also see him and both of us will be praying alongside with them. Just about four weeks ago, she met me after the service and gave a testimony. And she was right at this altar, like almost rolling on the floor. Because she said, Pastor, can you believe it? My sister called during the week. And our daughter is now speaking. Our daughter is speaking. And, you know, she was just overjoyed with the fact that, I mean, what you take for granted, that you get back from work, and your son or your daughter says, welcome daddy, or welcome mommy, and you say, oh, have you done your homework, you know, and all that. They've never heard us, you know, speak a word before. Or the entire family rejoicing and celebrating God for that breakthrough. And I believe there will be many more such testimonies in this house. In the name of the Lord Jesus. But the point I'm trying to make this morning is that the same way it pains a woman, it hurts a family, it hurts parents, especially mothers, knowing that they carried us in their womb for nine months, nurtured us and all that, and put their best foot forward to raise a child. And the child is not making the right kind of progress. It hurts, it brings pain. The same way, when a child of God who has experienced new birth in Christ Jesus refuses to grow or refuses to embrace the things that will lead to certain growth milestones, I believe it hurts the heart of God. God is not happy about my lack of growth. In fact, I believe heaven does not only rejoice over one sinner that repents, 
Heaven also rejoices when the child of God meets certain growth milestones because God depends on those growth milestones to be able to use his children as real arsenals in this world as to, to be able to assault the kingdom of darkness. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gate of hell will not prevail against it. And when he said that, he wasn't thinking about the, only the gatherings of believers. He was thinking about the individuals, you and I, as the church of the living God. And when the gate of hell cannot prevail against us, heaven rejoices. Yeah, heaven rejoices. But that only happens when we are of age enough spiritually, emotionally, and mentally to make the best of our life in Christ on this earth. So God's ultimate purpose is for believers to become like Jesus in maturity, character, and competence. God's ultimate purpose is for believers to become like Jesus. We call it Christ-likeness. And it should be seen in maturity, in character, and in competence. That's his ultimate purpose. That's what he has in mind for you and I. Uh, God is not only delighted in you or me just giving our lives to Christ or embracing the gift of salvation. He wants to use us. We have been set apart for his goodness, like we said. And you know, our anchor scripture, 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 and 21 I think verse 21 says, if a man will purge himself of these things, then he, he will be, uh, th therefore if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and useful for the, masters, for the master, prepared for every good work. And you know, the, the previous verse, verse, verse 20, uh, uh, says, in a, in a wealthy house, there are, there are all kinds of, in a great house, there are you know, all kinds of vessels, gold, silver, and all that, someone to honor and someone to dishonor. Yeah, some are used for special occasions, and the, 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 some are cheap ones for everyday use. But he said, if a man will cleanse himself or reposition himself so that God can find a better use for you and I, uh, God is delighted. And that's why we've emphasized all through this teaching series. And today, as we, uh, as we start to tie it up, I, I just need especially on this Mothering Sunday, for somebody to understand that God has expectations of every one of us, men and women alike, uh, just as we labor in parenting over our children. The same way, God wants to see some remarkable change in our lives, growth that will position us uh, so that he can use us the way he wants to use us. In Galatians 4 and verse 19, Galatians 4 and verse 19, uh, the, the writer of the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul, wrote, he said, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. He said, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Christ being formed in me is the goal of my Christian work. That I may become more like Christ. Not more like any other person. It's good if you, if you take the good attributes of your father. It's good if you belong to a church like this and you pick uh, the Christ-like values of our church it's good that you have a spiritual mentor that, that you, you, you follow after. It's good if you see good traits in the life of the spiritual leaders in this house and you say, look, I, I want my family to be like this. I want this. I want to be able to pray like this. I want to be able to do this like that. But ultimately, all of us are following Jesus. Yeah, all of us are following Jesus. And 
Christ-likeness is the goal of our Christianity. Uh, you, 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 you know the Apostle Paul, let, let me read the scripture of Philippians 3, 12, 13, and 14 in the New Living Translation. He said, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to, to, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. It says, forgetting the things, forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. I'm calling everyone in this house today with a mindset of somebody who has been set apart for us to keep pressing. Pressing into growth. Pressing into perfection. Pressing into maturity. Just like we demand of our children. And for our mothers in the house, on this occasion that we celebrate you, we also urge you to press into spiritual maturity so that you don't mess up the gift of God in your life. Press into emotional maturity so you don't mess up the gift of God in your life. Sarah's lack of emotional maturity and perhaps some element of spiritual maturity made her take a wrong decision in handling over Agar to Abraham as a substitute for Abraham to sleep with. There are women today who overlook things that they should not overlook. Who look for alternatives for God where God does not need any alternative. You know, a lot of the time, women seem to be a little more emotional than men. So, for instance, I mean, an example of what, I'm, uh, what we are all used to, if a strange prophet wants to enter a house, it may be easier to enter to the woman of the house. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. Just like the devil came with a strange idea and entered through Eve. And I don't mean uh, that uh, that's always the order. Sometimes a man can go out there and, you know, and collide with a strange idea. I mean, a strange woman and all that. But I'm just saying this today because of the occasion that mothers, God is counting on us to be the gatekeepers in our homes. Fathers and men uh, may be the breadwinners, uh, you know, the, the covering for the, for, for, for the home, but we jointly together watch over this home. Watch over this home. Watch over this home. And we all need to start to press a little bit more. Because if we achieve a stronger spiritual standing, a stronger emotional maturity, the devil cannot have his way over our homes. Can I get a big amen to that? And there are many reasons why people, you know, drop the ball when it comes to spiritual maturity and looking forward to being used of God. Sometimes it's a false sense of, of arrival based on past victories and past success. So, you know, sometimes we get into a point where we just feel that we have arrived. Um, Paul said, I, uh, uh, I didn't mean to say that I already achieved, not that I have attained, New King James uh, put it. Uh, can you put uh, uh, Philippians 3 and verse 12 up for me? 
Not, 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 not that, uh, 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 you know, I don't mean, no, no, no. New King James Version, yeah. Said, not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold on that for which Christ Jesus had already laid hold of me. This is what I'm saying. Success can be very tricky. Somebody's here today, you no longer pray again. You've lost your appetite for the word of God. You've allowed all kinds of distractions. Spiritual growth will not jump on you. It's, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. Many years ago, I read a book titled Hunger uh, in Paradise. You remember that guy? Um, something, Ankasin. Yeah. Uh, um, how do you make somebody who seems to already be in paradise hungry again? Yeah. How do you make someone who has eaten to be hungry again? Or who is full to be hungry for some, something else again? Some of us feel a false sense of fullness because things seem to be okay. Your salary has never been delayed. You are getting a raise consistently. Business is growing. Everything is good. What are we supposed to be praying to God for? Why should we fast? You know, that's how some people feel. Fasting is for pastors. Yeah. Or for some people who want to do ministry. <laughs> yeah. That's how some people, you know, behave. But fasting is, is not, it's not only for breakthroughs. Fasting is for intimacy with God. It's to practice self-denial. To be able to ask myself the question, what can I deny myself of to be able to pay attention to God and to his word and my spiritual development? You know, there's, there's nothing you're going to do to get some people into a prayer gathering. We have a night of increase this Friday. We'll be announcing it. Some people, you can announce it 1,000 times a day. They won't show up. Yeah, because they just feel that life is not that difficult. Why should I come and pray uh, for five hours? For what? Did I kill anybody? But that's why... Uh, he, he, in the spirit, you can't move a needle. As in, you, you can't move it. You, you can't kill a fly in the spirit. Because the capacitation that is needed, you don't have it yet. Things may look okay all around you, but you don't want to be caught napping because you have refused to develop spiritual capacity. Is somebody still with me today? I said, are you still here? Very, very important. You know what the scripture says in Galatians 4, when you read verse 1 and 2? Galatians 4, verse 1 and 2. I read it from the Amplified Classic translation. Can you put it up for me? Amplified Classic, quickly. Amplified Classic. Galatians 4, 1 and 2. It said, Now what I mean is that as long as the inheritor, here in bracket, is a child under age, it does not differ from a slave. Although he is a master of all the estate, he has access, he's supposed to take over the estate, but he's under guardians and administrators or trustees until the date fixed by his father. That date fixed by his father can also connote growth milestone that the father has set. Because the age of maturity to be able to access the estate of a father uh, is premise on certain growth milestones. So if you say, oh, something is kept for a child until the child is 18, and when the child is 18, the child should be able to access it and use it. 
That's how we operate in the realm of the spirit. That's the description that the Apostle Paul was given here in Galatians chapter 4. That every believer must understand that you need to capacitate yourself spiritually, emotionally. There are certain things that God does not dump on children. And when we think about that, don't think about using your skill to make money and you think that Christianity is all about making money. No. Jesus talked about true riches. True riches. True riches. It's beyond money. Yeah. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. There's a level of growth that God expects of you so he can use you maximally. And like I said in the beginning, it breaks the heart of God when we don't meet those milestones. And some, some of us overlook the things that will help us to be able to make those milestones. So God, uh, 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 why, why Christ-likeness? Why, did, why, why, why does God want us to be more like Christ? One is that the more Christ-like you are, the more God can do through you. And the less Christ-like you are, the more the devil can use you. If you can, take a picture of this and meditate on it when you get home. Yeah. And ask yourself the questions. God wants you to be Christ-like because his wisdom and power make you unstoppable in your pursuit of, of, of your purpose. Yeah. Psalm 119 and verse 105 said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Yeah. God wants you and I to pursue spiritual development because it makes you unstoppable. The world experiences God through you. So, the more I'm able to represent God, the more they know the true God. You know, some of us have stagnated in our spiritual development. Our Christianity is not attractive. You can't really say you are living a life that makes God famous. When people look at how you are, I mean, your, your stock self in a way where you're not radiating Christ, there's nothing that can attract them to true Christianity. And that's not the will of God. The real will of God is so that the world experiences God through you. And also, you rise above the influence of sin and help others to do the same. When Truly and truly, you decide to, to grow and push yourself beyond your last limit. Some people here, maybe another day I'll talk more about this. I've just decided to be like Adam. You know, the problem of Adam was that he was born adult. Yeah, born, grown up. Luke 2 and 52, uh, Jesus, Bible says, increase or grew in stature, in knowledge, in wisdom. And there's something that comes with that. The difference between the first Adam and the last Adam, which is Adam and Christ, was that one was born full-grown, the other one was born in the manger as a child. And went through everything to become an adult. There's a fixed state that somebody can be. You are operating like Adam. There's no need for growth. You're already an adult. It's a false sense that the devil puts on us. So you lose hunger uh, for the things that will lead to your emotional development or spiritual development. You just want to uh, just be in that fixed state. But the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered because there was a need to grow in his life. And that takes me to 
the final bit of this exhortation. Three principles of maturity and growth seen in Jesus. That we can see in Jesus. One is discipline. See, when you feel like an adult, you don't feel a sense that you, you still need to imbibe certain discipline. You know, for some of us, it's until you give your children free hand to be able to talk to you. They're the ones that will challenge you to let you know that daddy or mommy, you are no longer growing. Yeah. Because when you become the breadwinner or the head of your home, sometimes you feel like you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. There's no need to challenge yourself to grow again. There's no need to challenge yourself to do this or that. When, when, you, when you allow adulthood to play a trick on you, <laughs> you know, adulthood can be very tricky because you just feel like you have arrived. You know everything. But the day your son or your daughter asks you a question, that's the day you will know. It's really when you don't have an answer and you know that this question is very critical to the destiny of this child. That you now say, God, I need wisdom. Yeah, I need wisdom. That's when you know you have stopped pursuing wisdom. In the life of Jesus, he never stopped for one day to pursue wisdom. Jesus lived a disciplined life. Jesus was diligent and disciplined. In John 5, verse 17, 18 and 19, uh, the Bible says, But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Jesus said, I pattern my life, I discipline myself to be able to walk in sync with God. So whatever I see God do, that's what I do. So if you want to kill me for just following God, go ahead. It was discipline. The second thing we see is that Jesus was consistent. So consistency is another thing. You know, the things that bring growth are premised on our capacity for consistency. In the natural, if you stop eating, you start to lose strength. There's a maximum number of days that a natural man, a man that has not gone to the, the terrestrial level, <laughs> or the, you know, or, I mean, the celestial level, uh, can't stay without food. Yeah. There's just a maximum number. I have um, a friend who fasted without anything for about 80 days. And he had to be rushed out of the country. In the past many years, he's still recovering. Uh, because spirituality was stretched beyond the boundaries of wisdom. Yeah. And it resulted in a bad case. I said that to mean that Consistency in doing certain things, like breathing. If you, if you want to prove that you have outgrown breathing, we can just get, we, we can get, you know, we can collect all the masks in this house, donate it, 
and use everything for only you. <laughs> and just tell you, you know, since you, you have outgrown it, you don't, we, we, we don't need it, you need it. Yeah, so you don't, you don't need to breathe. You don't legislate breathing. You don't outgrow breathing. Yeah, you don't outgrow eating or drinking water. You don't outgrow going to the washroom or the bathroom, as the case may be. I, I hope somebody's following me today. So why do you think you can outgrow things that lead to consistent spiritual development and emotional development. That's food for thought for somebody here today. Jesus demonstrated a very high level of steadfastness, consistency. Luke 4, verse 16. The Bible says, so he came to Nazareth, and where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on Sabbath day and stood to read. As his custom was. It meant there was consistency in his attendance of the synagogue. Whatever the equivalent of that is, for you today, you must demonstrate that level of consistency. In Luke 22, verse 39, the Bible says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Mount of Olives was a place where Jesus went consistently to pray. Where is your consistent place of prayer? What time is your consistent time of prayer? I know some people are afraid of religion, so you don't want to do some things dogmatically, but yet consistency is very needful. In this church, we encourage all of our volunteers and leaders to fast every Wednesday, for instance, all we're trying to achieve is a measure, all we're trying to achieve is a measure of consistency. Consistency in, in spiritual discipline. To say you should pray every day is a matter of consistency. It's like eating every day. Or it's like breathing. Because the way some of us see some of these things, we just think they're exclusive preserve of some people who want to be spiritual juggernauts. No. That's what makes every believer grow. And the last one is that is a word that we call obedience. Don't forget we're discussing at least three out of the principles of maturity and growth that we see in the life of Christ. So men and brethren, women of the Elevation Church, and everyone online, mothers in Israel, this day as we celebrate, I want to remind us that just like we demand growth, from our children, we also need to consist, I mean, stay on the path of consistent growth. And the last thing on that is the factor of obedience. We've talked about discipline, consistency, and obedience. Many of us still remember the words from our mom. We asked the little kids in the video, what will make your mother happy? And some of them said, when I do my homework, when I do this, when I do that. Some of us here who have the privilege of, uh, you know, great parents, we remember the things that our fathers, our mothers told us, even if they have gone home to be with the Lord. We also want our children to remember the things that we're telling them. Obedience is what begat obedience. Yeah. Uh, obedience is what brings back to obedience. 
So I'm encouraging everyone today that we should also live a life of obedience. In Luke 2 and 51, after Jesus was found by his parents and they took him back, you know, the Bible says that he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Luke 2 and 51, he was obedient to them and his mother stored all these things to her heart. There were many things that his mother got to know about him. For instance, when they found him amongst rabbis, he said, would I not be about my father's business? And stuff like that. They, uh, uh, they had angelic visitations about Christ. Many things that they knew about him. Yet, it will not preclude him from being obedient to his parents. Are you still with me today? And that was the only way he could fulfill God's original intention for his life. Who are the parents' figures around you? That God has placed around you. Biologically, spiritually, professionally. Who are the people that you listen to? Because these are the things that guarantee the kind of growth that God wants to see around us. I mean, the only exception to that rule is when what is coming from the parental figure is against the word of God. Outside of that, God expects obedience from us. And also obedience to the law of the land. Obedience to the law of the land. It should not be heard that it's amongst those of us who are named after God that will just break the law of the country anyhow from simple laws that give us order like, you know, like the, the traffic light at the intersections to, you know, to simple, you know, legal regulations to issues of taxes and other things. Jesus demonstrated that by paying his taxes and making us see that by example, he will not break the law. It's the same thing, especially for those of us who live in this country. Everything has been structured for us to break certain rules, to get angry and disobey certain things and not do certain things at all. But we need to watch it from time to time and remind ourselves that though we are in this world, we are not of this world. Yeah. And the one who will hold us accountable will not ask us whether it's because we're in Nigeria or we're in Africa or anything like that. And real growth will never happen if I keep circumventing obedience. Yeah, it won't happen. The moment I dodged a place where I'm supposed to obey certain regulation or rule, I've dodged something that will make me stretch to grow. Either to grow or to trust God. <laughs> because to obey certain rules, you have to really trust God. I mean, look at how Jesus paid his taxes. They practically didn't have money on them. But because he was committed to it, there was a money miracle. Today, people demand money miracle for anything. Yeah. But that, on that particular occasion, the money miracle was necessitated based on the obedience of faith. Because he asked Peter, he said, ordinarily we're not supposed to pay taxes. He said, the rulers only demand taxes for people that they have conquered, not from children. Go and read that passage of the scripture. Peter said, are we, I mean, Jesus said, are we children or not? He said, yeah, we're children. We're not ordinarily supposed to pay taxes. Yeah. That's Matthew 17 when you read from verse 24. But he said, anyhow, we're going to pay. 
So you go to the river. Let down your hook. You catch a fish, look in the mouth. There'll be money miracle. You see a silver coin there. Go and pay my tax and your tax. The two of them were the only ones that were old enough to pay tax amongst Jesus' group. Most of Jesus' disciples were young people who were not yet qualified. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. Can you hear me? Ask your neighbor, are you living a life of obedience? Ask somebody else for me. Say, are you living a life of obedience? Today, as we wrap up this exhortation, I want to challenge each and every one of us to hold ourselves up to certain standards of discipline, of consistency in the things that we already know and of obedience in the things that we already know even before we seek to know more. Because when we do that, what happens is that we put ourselves in that space where there can be consistent growth in our lives. And that growth glorifies God. And we also then have the right to demand growth from everyone around us, including our children. I pray again for all of our mothers in this house that you will not sorrow over your children. Whatever has brought ache concerning your children, God will heal that situation in the precious name of Jesus. Again, we pray today for anyone who may be looking up to God for anything, anything that makes you feel less of who you are, whether you are a man or a woman, anything that makes you feel less of who you are, anything that makes you feel like life has stagnated, we pray that heavens open over your life as you step into this new week, that God supernaturally answers your prayers in the name of Jesus. Can I get a better amen to that? Somebody, I pray that God orders your steps this week. In the name of the Lord Jesus, as you step into a new quarter, you will see the end of God like never before. In the name of the Lord Jesus, the one who is demanding growth from you will give you grace to live according to his plans and purposes for your life. You will no longer be stranded. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lift your two hands to Jesus, everyone. Lift your two hands to Jesus. Lift your two hands to Jesus. Uh, and I wanted to speak against whatever limits growth in your life. Somebody here rebuke the hold of distraction over your life in the name of Jesus. Demand in the name of Jesus that limits are taken over your spiritual life in the name of Jesus. Every limit, every limit uh, is taken off today in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray, pray against whatever short circuits your spiritual growth in the name of the Lord Jesus. Somebody you need to speak against maybe a besetting sin today and ask God for strength to push through that situation. Somebody you need to pray, Lord, your word says if a man will purge himself or cleanse himself of these things, then he will be a vessel unto honor. I want to be a vessel unto honor. Help me to cleanse myself of these things. Help me to strip myself of these things. Mention whatever it is and ask him for grace to be able to strip yourself of that thing. Ask him for grace. Ask him for grace. Ask him for grace. Lord, I want to be able to strip myself of these things. I want to be able to walk free of these things. Set me apart for your use. Set me apart for your use. Set me apart for your glory. Set me apart for your goodness. Set me apart. Set me apart. Set me apart. Set me apart. Set me apart, Father. Set me apart, Father. Help me to live the sanctified life. Help me to live the consecrated life. Let the son of wickedness not be able to assert himself upon me again. 
the hold of distraction is broken over my life. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Father, we bless your name. See, we all let's bow. I'm still in answer of prayer. Can I pray for anyone right here under the influence of my voice? Who may be saying, Pastor, I'm far away from God, but I know God wants to use me. I want to submit my life to Jesus. Maybe you've said a prayer before, or maybe you've never said a prayer before, but you find a reason in your heart right now to say, I want to draw closer to God. I want to give my life to Jesus. Can I challenge you today to be bold enough to say this prayer with me this morning? Or somebody who may be saying, I said a prayer before, but I know I backslid into sin. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I also want to pray for you. What a day to make a decision to Jesus. What an appropriate time after being challenged to grow and push your weight. I want to pray for you also this morning. Whatever you are under the influence of my voice, right here in, the, in this room, on the main floor, under the gallery, or on the gallery, if you want to give your life to Jesus, or you've said a prayer before, but you know you busted into sin, you have, been in, you have been out of fellowship with God consistently, and you want to renew your commitment to Jesus, I want to pray for you. All that I ask is that you lift your right hand above your head, and let's say a prayer together. God will come into your life, and you will never be the same again. Just lift your right hand above your head at the sign of your surrender to Jesus this morning. Jesus will come into your life and give you a new beginning right now. On the gallery, under the gallery, in the main floor, online. If you're online, go to the chat room or the comment and let us know, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Everyone in the room, if your hand is up, I want you to lift it well. You are lifting it to Jesus and not to the pastor. Jesus is the Savior. No man can save another. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. And his name is glorified in our midst this morning. And if you are submitting your life to Christ, you lift up your right hand to Jesus, I want you to stand on your feet where you are. Just stand. Let me pray for you. Just stand where you are. Thank you. Just stand. Stand where you are. Remain where you are, but stand. 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 And let's pray together. Stand. If you're in the gallery and you're saying the prayer with me, I want you to stand. 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 Stand for Jesus today. Stand for, 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 for his death and resurrection. Stand for his sacrifice on the cross because it was done on your behalf. I'm still waiting for one or two people who may be second-guessing your salvation. Maybe you're still dealing with guilt or condemnation in your heart. God wants to wipe the guilt, guilt away, wipe the condemnation away. And it's just like saying one prayer to say, Jesus, I'm dedicating my life to you afresh. And I'm asking that you forgive me my sins. There will be a miracle of salvation in your life. And you'll never be the same again. Still waiting for you. You can stand and join the people standing and let's say this prayer together. If you are online, like I said, go to the chat room or the comment. Let us know you're making a decision today. I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm rededicating my life to Christ. Or there's a link that will be sent into the chat and you can click on it and give us your details and you will never be the same again. Our ministers will connect with you and uh, we love to help you mature and grow. For everyone standing, everyone saying this prayer with me, whether you are right here or online, can you see after me? Say, Lord Jesus. I come to you today. I ask that you forgive me my sins and that you cleanse me from every unrighteousness. Say today, I'm standing for you to rededicate my life to you, to give my life to you completely and totally. Be my Lord, be my Savior from this moment forward. I accept the sacrifice on the cross as being done on my behalf. You pay the price for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you 
for your sacrifice for me. Today, I ask that you fill my heart with your spirit and lead me into my destiny. I pledge my life to you, to love you, to serve you, and live the rest of my life for you. Thank you for accepting me just the way I am. If you just said that prayer with me, our ministers are close by to you. I want you to please follow them. Just for a couple of minutes, you'll be back with us in the service. Just pick whatever you brought to church and follow them. We have some materials we want to put in your hand uh, and also to be able to get your details. We want to we'll be a part of your spiritual